your character and who you are, there's nothing wrong with it. And I wish I had someone say that, you know. But I think black girls, especially young black girls, they're not told enough that they are that they are normal to the world. It's not, you're not abnormal. Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade, the podcast. I'm your host, Bilundle Musimere. On this podcast, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come and share their life and career journeys with you. From entrepreneurs to 95ers, join us as each guest takes you through all of the highs and all the lows of their journeys that have led them to being who they are today. We're back. We are back, you guys. I'm so glad to be back with all of you for season three of the podcast. You know, the journey of creating and sharing this podcast has been absolutely incredible. And I'm so glad that I get to share it with all of you. Guys, 2020 has been a wild year. (laughs) And that's probably putting it mildly. And it's certainly nothing that anybody could have predicted. So thank you to all of you listening for always standing with us. So here is to more amazing stories. Without any further delays, let us jump right into season three. Today's guest is Ndoni Ngunu. Ndoni is a climate scientist and social entrepreneur. She has been internationally recognized as a leader in climate change and sustainable energy. Ndoni is currently pursuing her PhD at the Global Change Institute at Wits University. She received so many awards, including but definitely not limited, to being named one of 40 under 40 African leaders for climate resilience in 2019 by Walton Park, an executive agency of the UK Foreign Office. Over and above all of her work as a climate and energy advocate, she's also the founder of Black Women in Science, a registered non-profit organization that aims to deliver capacity development interventions that target young black women scientists and researchers. I cannot wait for you all to hear her story as a scientist, academic, and international climate activist. Let's dive in. So, Ndoni, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show, uh, Pelo. It's an honestly such an honor to be here today. I'm, I feel like it's an honor to have you on the show. You've done so much and you've also done so much in, in a field that is, I feel like um, in terms of popularity, it's, it's, it's so everybody's talking about climate change right now. And you've been in this field for so long and you've been doing such, such amazing work for it for so long. So I'm very curious to know how you got into this field, especially as like, I feel like as a, as a, young black woman it's not something that people are like oh climate change let me let me do something in that field when i grow up so mm. i'm very excited to hear your journey and your story mm. so um climate change is fairly new um in the environmental science field and so i really got into it through my interest and in my research i grew up in a suburb and um, Uma is from Mtualume, which is at the time it was very green. And I would see my grandma kind of doing some little small scale farming. And that would be interesting for me to understand the system that was in my daily life. And so mm-hmm. one of the days I took a drive with my uncle um, and my aunt and Cornelia. And at that time, I was just trying to figure out what is it that I love. And we were driving through Sidara, which is an agricultural um, college in Marisbeck. And when we were driving through that, we stopped um, 
at one of these small restaurants and we had a strawberry milkshake and there the milkshake was straight from the garden. Ah. And I thought, what on earth, you know, I'm used <laughs> to a strawberry milkshake that you go to Wimpy or you go to Mag and Bean and you order a strawberry milkshake. And here's this whole other life where you order it and they, you see them picking it from the actual garden. And, and then I really started to get interested in the natural environment. And through me getting to understand the natural environment, climate change is obviously a topic that is um, part of the environment and sustaining the environment and how we treat the environment. And then I got into it in my postgraduate qualifications. So, okay. So I just want to rewind a little bit and I want to know, so when you were in high school, cause you know, in high school, we need to pick our subjects. No, we need to pick our, sorry, degrees um, in terms of like what we're going to study in university. What did you think you were going to be then? Oh gosh. I wanted to do, <laughs> I went through medicine. Um, I wanted to be a doctor, a medical doctor. And then I realized I'm actually um, kind of scared of blood. <laughs> and also I wasn't, the, I wasn't the greatest at maths. <laughs> so um, I, I then kind of lost interest in, in medicine. Then I went into the bios. Um, I was really interested in microbiology. And then after that, I, I, um, I got interested in actuary, which is actually studying fishes because I really loved jellyfish jellyfish i thought jellyfish was so interesting like even if you look at them they they they're weird and (laughs) so um i wanted to understand that then yeah so i was then i got interested into the whole bio side of life and and that's how you know i got into it Oh my goodness, like, I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I did not enjoy the sciences in high school at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us did. I, to be honest, I don't think anybody was like, wow, you know, I'm thriving. I love this. Yeah. I think it was just, you know, it was just, oh, well, people say I need it. I think science, when you get into post, I'm not postgrad, sorry, when you get into, out of high school into your undergrad, that's when you start really understanding what is science. You know? when Otherwise, you, when you're still learning, like, you know, the yeah. structure of whatever, oh, I don't know, it's not that It's not that interesting. Yeah, probably because, like, of application. Like, the application of it doesn't mm. really translate when you're, when you're still mm. that young. Okay, so so then, um, so you went to varsity. So what did, you, what did you study and where did you go and how was your varsity career? Okay, so I went to Rhodes and I... And I did microbio and I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and so then I changed and I took a gap year and I figured myself out. And then I went to UKZN and I studied um, environmental sciences. And yeah, then I went from, from my undergrad and then I went to my, to my master's. And then I, from there, after my master's, I came to do my PhD at Wits University. Mm, and and what would you say was the main driver for you to like throughout your journey to and because I feel like not a lot of people study all the way up to PhD. Um, very, not even a lot of people study up the, all the way to their masters. Um, what was the main driver for you to feel that you need to study um, all the way up to your PhD, just in general throughout your journey? You know, Bella, I'd love to be this inspiring person who has this amazing story about that decision. But I would also like to be honest about it. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to be honest in the sense that um, 
research and academia, I don't think people, a lot of people don't understand it. I know in my family, I'm going to be the first to graduate with a PhD, meaning Mm. that nobody really understands what it means to be in research and academia. And so I would love to say I, it was an intentional decision where from undergrad, I was like, I want to be in research and academia. I want to do my PhD. And I always say, I always speak about how I fell into, um, in quotation, you know, um, Mm. words, you know, I fell into academia and I fell into it in the sense that after my undergrad, you know, there was money for me to do my honors then there was money for me to do my master's. And then, you know, it was like, why not do your PhD? Because you're still young, you know, and you don't have that many responsibilities right now in your life. And so it wasn't an, it wasn't an intentional decision. Mm. And that is actually frustrating when you, when you get into a, when you get into the role that I am in now, knowing that this is the path that I've chosen, but I wasn't aware, you know, mm. something gets stolen from it. So it's it's a it's a it's a lot of a, it's a big question and a lot of solutions and answering, you know. Then how do we solve this? Uh, it's it's a generational thing to look at the stats around Black academics, you know. I think at UCT they have 15 black professors, not mm. 15%, one five. Yeah. And so that speaks around communication around research and academia. And so you, you can't blame me or other academics coming along that just decide to do their PhD and not really understanding what it means for you to do your PhD and, and what career choice you make. So I would love to say, you know, I was inspired and I did this. No, it was just, it was an opportunity and if you look into the the stats and the the policies around Africa, South Africa, the Department of Science and Innovation uh, um, white paper, one of its main goals is to promote black professorship. And post apartheid, it's been to promote black academics, black professorship. And so you find yourself in the statistics, but not really understanding what it means for you. And that mm-hmm. is a conversation that is um, that that that's a conversation I work on. As a, in Black Women in Science, yeah. my organization. Yeah. yeah, as you were speaking, I was about to ask, is, the, is that the reason why you started uh, Black Women in Science? Yes, yes, definitely. It's the reason. Um, I was recently interviewed by the Ocean Woman, the UCT department. Um, Ocean Woman has less than, I think, even 1% Black, black females mm-hmm. in it at UCT. So it's an incredible initiative that is being done at UCT to try promote more black women in oceanography. Anyway, so then they asked me, why did I start Black Women in Science? And I, you know, as I was answering the question, I understood why. So Black Women in Science for me is obviously a personal journey in that mm-hmm. I saw these kind of problems. And I said, but should I do my PhD? And I looked around, not even PhD, should I do my master's? And I looked around below and there was nobody to advise me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have access. I didn't know where to go. Uh, I, I had been studying for how many years? Like nine years when you do your master's and never been lectured by a black female. Yeah. And and that's that's just crazy. And so you do these decisions unaware, you know. And so I was like, should I do my PhD? Should I do my master's? And and you really don't think about mentorship and the importance of it. And, and so... During my journey, I realized that, no, there needs to be a network of women. And we speak about these industries, research industries. Um, The fact that most of us black women or some of us in the science industry really want to also see ourselves in in a business aspect. So we provide business and entrepreneurship training 
uh, communication, how do we communicate our science, and how do we write and publish as as um, as young scientists? And these are all skills that are not conventional to your to your uh, daily scientist who wants to. Uh, or not even just your conventional sciences, but in how science is taught at university level. It's, you know, stay in your lab and, and do your research. And these scientists and the emerging scientists now are saying, um, you know, we want to get ourselves into business. We want to be CFOs. We want to be CEOs. We want to, you know, be directors. Mm-hmm. And how do we get into these positions? And so that's what we do as an organization. And, and what do you see that the impact has been so far with Black Women in Science? I've seen a high interest in it. And I've been asking myself a lot, why this interest? Um, mm-hmm. Why is it? So we do a needs analysis, a survey where we ask if we had to provide you with some kind of skills, what kind of skills would you want? And the highest skill that women want is business and entrepreneurship. These are scientists. And I asked myself this question, why do we want business and entrepreneurship? And I actually think that it's interesting because what's happening is the stats around science and women have been mostly white male and white women. The background of those people um, is different to the background of black people. Black people are growing up in families where you are the sole breadwinner. You are the first of many in your house. So, you, you know, so... What that does is it creates this hunger in you that you want more and you want more and you need to work harder and you need to, you know, invest more. And then you have these kind of women and these kind of individuals coming into the academic sector and the academic sector is not designed for that. So then it becomes confusing for them. It's like, wait a minute, but this can't be it. I need to understand myself in a business sector. I need to understand myself. In, and it's because of our background and where we come from and our yeah. desire and our pressures and our pushes. And now we are saying as women, as scientists, as academics, we want more. And this is all the women, this is all that women want. And that's why the interest in black women in science has been that in the sense of these women want more. We want to be more than just scientists. We want to influence, we want to change we want to earn different um, uh, um, what avenues of income. And and Black Women in Science is trying to bring all of these women together and trying to structure how can we influence science to being ma- more tailor-made for Black academics and Black mm. women scientists. Yeah. Mm, mm. Like, you know, as you were speaking, I've had quite a number of guests come on to the show and they speak about how they are first generation entrepreneurs. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, we often hear about first generation graduates or first generation professional, like um, people that are in corporate settings in terms of black people specifically. And for me, I had never thought maybe because I'm not like an entrepreneur, at least not yet, but I had never thought of the fact that we also have first generation entrepreneurs in the black community because a lot of us grew up with mothers who were nurses, teachers, um, you know, you know, parents that worked in maybe factories or whatever it may be. And we don't have any exposure to entrepreneurship. We don't actually know what business looks like, what it looks like trying a successful business or even just to fail and to pick yourself back up, whatever it may be. So it actually excites me to hear you speak specifically about how even sci- like scientists, yeah. scientists also want to get into entrepreneurship and into business because... Mm. Like, I think that's definitely something that hasn't been highlighted enough that we need to be supporting black 
black people that are first generation entrepreneurs of or first generation in business or founders and CEOs. Mm. Yeah, and and there's no there's not enough like science and entrepreneurship go together. Um, mm. That's why the departments of science and technology have gone to innovation, no longer technology. Mm. It's because innovation, innovators, scientists are innovators. Scientists are people that do the research and try and do all of these things. And so the, the chain of communication between these entrepreneurs, people that understand the finance and the business part of it and how to sell and the scientists who are innovating, they're not connecting. And so now that's why we are having, um, you know, a struggle also as a country to say, where are these innovators? Where are these entrepreneurship, you know, where are these entrepreneurs and, and all of that. And, and these first hand, um, you know, entrepreneurs, first generation entrepreneurs are really struggling and, and really struggling to find where do they find the innovation and where do they find the support. And, and so all we're trying to do is link all of these sectors to say, guys, why don't we all just have a conversation and not just a conversation, but actually draw up what is being done at, at an institutional level and what is being done at the corporate level and how do we bring these things together into making, you know, job creation really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, this is that's that's absolutely wonderful. Um, so I want to ask you now. Please tell us a little bit about what have been some of the highlights and lowlights of your journey specifically. Um, the highlights. <laughs> Such a tough question. It's almost like I want to be boasting. You know what I mean? Do it. And do <laughs> <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> but um, my highlights, it's a nice way. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do that now. I'm going to ask you, what's your highlights? Not what are your achievements? Yeah. <laughs> what I are like highlights? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a better way of framing and looking at it because it, it is. Awards always. Award. It can be, it, a highlight could be that you became happy when you met someone, or it could be that, you know, a time at a job when somebody just patted you on the back, whatever it is. It's just a highlight. Exactly. Yes, you're right, actually. Okay, that's that's a good explanation. So I think my highlight has actually been my NGO, as, as, as that is. Um, I started it when I was really young. Um, I was 25 at the time. I was really a kid. And the way that it's grown and the interest that I've seen and, and the more understanding I've got to understand about myself has been really a highlight for me. Um, Another highlight for me has been I did a press release with Greta Thunberg, who's a climate activist, an international climate activist. And I felt so honored to be in that platform to talk about African uh, representation in climate change. And I think although it's little, I, I had a space where I could say a lot, say little, sorry, at um, an international platform for Africans. And for me, that's something I'm really interested in, in redefining climate change for African people and, and what it actually means for us. And and not just 
speaking the hibby-jibby stuff, but to actually speak about the, the, the science of it and mm. what it means for Africa. You know, So if we talk about carbon dioxide emissions and we say that Africa only emits 1% of that in the world, surely we as Africans should be more upset <laughs> you know, yeah. around this in that we are going to be the ones highly um, impacted by Impacted. this. And mm. I don't think we highlight, we, we, we don't oppose information that we put out um, for Africans. We, we just put it generally as experts and say, uh, the carbon emissions for the world are this amount. We don't zone it down to you as an African and say, but Africa contributes 1%. And now mm. that needs to be a conversation, you know, as an African scientist, you need to, you need to always put that first. And so I think for me, that's been a highlight and, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's been a major highlight in my life. Yeah. And, and, and what have been some of the lowlights of your journey? Oh yes. The lowlights. Oh gosh. Uh, take a book out. <laughs> <laughs> post me some tissues i promise you um i think you know understanding myself understanding um what it means for me to be a phd candidate what it means what it takes to get your phd um is a lot um, I think I struggle a lot with self-confidence and um, so it's always just so much work when I, when I get interviewed and when I, when I have to write an article, when I have to meet my supervisor, I always feel like, oh my gosh, you're going to catch me out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So a low light for me would obviously be actually when I was at my, um, when I was at Rhodes and I, I realized I didn't like microbiology. That was a real low light for me. I really, I, I, I didn't take it very well in that, you know, I am not, this is not maybe something I'm, I'm good at or something that I like. Yeah. And so taking that gap here was, was a lot. Another low light for me was when, like towards the end of my master's, I was going through a lot of personal stuff as well as just trying to submit that it's just it, it just gets dark really quickly and and you're not aware of of you being in that dark phase so yeah those those are just some of the low lights some mm, yeah yeah and so what would you say to someone who's trying to be an academic as well like you right now like what kind of advice would you give them going into that field look i had um a call during covid that spoke to me about a, a young female at Vits who, oh, I shouldn't have said the institution, <laughs> but anyway, um, she was, <laughs> I'll, I'll she, she was in one of the South African institutions and she was really struggling with depression and she wanted to commit suicide. She was doing her, her master's degree. And I, the sad thing, but it wasn't that it was, I wasn't even shocked about it. It was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, no, I understand, you know. And it's because the journey of research and academia is not designed for black people, and that is the truth. Um, the, the, you have to write in English, you have to write scientifically, you have to find money, you have to, you know, sustain yourself and be strong, and, and all of these things. Um, so it's no, it's no surprise when young people struggle to, mm. to keep their head up, to keep afloat with these pressures in academia. 
I hate to make the example of Prof Bongani, the UCT professor who committed suicide at mm. UCT. It's a, it's a typical example. I'm the most brilliant man in the world to me, you know. Um, mm. It's a typical example of the pressures of academia and the lack of support thereof um, that we have. And so the, the, the word of advice I would give a young black academic is you have two choices and one choice is for you to give up. The second choice is for you to understand that um, this is something that you can overcome and you can overcome it by equipping yourself with more skills. So when you come back, when your manuscript comes back and it's full of red, um, they say it's, it's, it's bloody um, from, your, from your supervisor and you're depressed and you're not passing, know that there is a way for you to get out of that and, and that way is for you to get better. And to get better, you need to get your your skills that you that you, that that you that you need to acquire to get yourself better. So if you're not a good writer, um, get yourself an editor and and have a chat around what kind of advice they can give you in in improving your writing. Sit with your supervisor, but to sit down in your room or in your place and say, "Oh wow, I haven't made it." That's just a, a doom's end. So the best way for you to make it is not to focus on the bad, but to focus on the good. And to focus on the good is for you to equip yourself with the right skills. And that's just the reality that we are at. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and so while we're on the topic of like career advice, what's, what's like some of the worst career advice that you have received? Oh my gosh. I've received advice that said, Donnie, I don't think you were made for science. I think you were made for like music or no, art. No. Or, um, not that there's anything wrong with music. Yeah, and but arts, why? But don't tell me I'm not made for something, exactly. you know, in as much as I would be offended if someone had to say, Donnie, you are not made for art when it is my passion, you know? Exactly. So I was someone who was passionate about science and my teacher um, said, no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not, Donnie. You, you, you won't make it there. You should, you should, you should get into arts. And, and, you know, I love arts and I understood where she was coming from in the sense of, I really did love arts. I really did love arts. And, um, but I just didn't like the discouragement of, of that voice, you know, that mm-hmm. you're not made for this. You won't make it in this. And this is so... That is the worst advice I've ever received. Like, it's actually insane that people actually can say things like that. It's shocking, you know. And for me, it's a clear indication of, uh, you know, I don't know, lack of support. I don't want to even get into the race and gender. But uh, at that time, at the school I was going to, I was the only black female there. uh, And my brother was the only black male. So the teacher, it, it was so deep, but it was so deep. And so that teacher was, um, you know, when she said that my parents, you know, their wrath was, you know, what, you will never say that to my child, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they did everything in their power 
to make sure that I, I do science. Come hell or high water. And it was things we were, were struggling with in systems. You know, growing up in a suburb area is not all green, as people say. You know, only when you're older, you realize that, hey, man, it was a lot. Like, in terms of dealing with your own identity, overcoming what people think of you and, and where they think you belong. You know, there's this thing where we all know that black people can sing. And, and so then, because you can sing, you just belong in the arts. And you can't be you know, you can't tap into these sciences. And, and, and so there was a lot of things that we were dealing with also as black people in these areas. So worst advice, a packed, you know, packed things that, that caused that advice. And it was definitely racial, some of it. Because mm-hmm, it, it, it feels kind of like a stereotype, right? Yes. 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 Based off of like, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's kind of based off of a stereotype. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And and so, you know, we all go through, um, our, our you know whether whether I know some people refer to them as like missteps or mistakes or failures, whatever it is, right? Um, how do you when you go through something that that is like a setback or a mistake or a failure, what do you do to overcome these moments or these things sure. that happen? Um, I think, you know, to be honest, Bella, I think I really struggle with disappointment, especially disappointment that comes from myself. I think my fiance actually told me this. Um, and he's like, you really don't take disappointment well. And, 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 it's, and I'm being very honest. And mm. so I've had to understand that that's the first step. Understand what it really sucks, you know, and, and when you are disappointed, when you have failed in, in brackets, for in in whatever that you're trying to do it is sad it is disappointing and you should you should give yourself some time on that you know i mean don't get into it too deeply but give yourself some time in in accepting that okay i messed up and then how i deal with it is to say how how should i have done it so i i really do talk about it more and say where did where do you think i messed up here where do you think i where do you think i could have uh, I could have done right, you mm. know, and usually not locking yourself up in a, in a, in a little corner and saying, Oh, I, I'm really sad. and really It really helps to talk to people close to you and say, look, I'm, I'm really actually sad that I didn't get this job or I didn't get this position. Mm. How, what did I do? Look at what I submitted. What did I do to mess this up? And it doesn't have to be the company. It can be your mom. It can be your dad. It can be your friend. It can be a colleague, but understand where you messed up and then accept where you messed up and then know, because that's the only way then, you know, okay, I messed up here, here, here. And now when I have another opportunity to have an interview, I would do it like this. And I think, that's how I deal with it is, is before maybe I'd be someone who really locks themselves up, who doesn't want to talk about it. And, and, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just so sad and, and I'll deal with it. No, you know, find that one person, find that expert, even if it's your boss and say, you know what, I, I'm really, really sad that I, I didn't do this right. How do I improve? And that's the only way that you, you reduce messing that up again, you know, mm-hmm. and, and trying to get yourself up there. So even when, you know, I messed up like my proposal, my PhD proposal. I think I did 12 versions of it. It was deep. <laughs> and and <laughs> it was it got to a point where it was personal, you know. But mm-hmm. I had to really sit down and understand with my supervisor what is it that 
I'm not getting, you know, and, and, and he was someone who was very vocal about it and I got extra assistance. And that's the only way you can improve in your mistakes is to improve yourself. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, I'm actually so happy that you said, um, not happy that it is, it is what it is, but I'm happy yeah. that you said that it's important to acknowledge that it sucks because, oh my goodness, yeah. I'm also like someone who, like, I, like, 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 setbacks they suck mistakes they yeah, suck they suck it's like Bill, it's like you know you think to yourself I will I gave my all you know and mm-hmm. and, and 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 it sucks like it's amazing amazing but you can't you know you have to acknowledge I'm actually I'm, I'm actually hacked right now yes, and, and, then, and then you accept that yeah yeah yeah, because I know yeah. some people, like a lot of, like with me personally, people will say, ah, it's not a big deal. No, ah, don't worry about it. But like, I no. am worried about it because it sucks. And I would like it to. It sucks, exactly. It's like, you can't just move on from these things. I will not no. as, as, like, it's kind of made out to be. It's okay yeah. to kind of yeah. give your sadness as long as it doesn't consume you. And then you must move on. Yes, yes. But sadness. give yourself the time to say, yeah. this sucked, you know? This, this is, I'm going through something that really sucks. I think what frustrates you even more is when you, you, you say, you know, it's not that much of a big deal. And it is. It is, it is for you. But it makes you feel some kind of a way. Yeah, you know? yeah. and, and so, like, it, it, you just need to acknowledge it. And then and then give yourself time. Like, not even a limit. So say, okay, day one, I'm going to really be in my feelings. Day two, I'm going to start to ask people what it is that I need to do. Day yeah. three, I'm tapping out of it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm going to start now living, going back into my system in, in, in you know, me trying to, to get this thing that I really wanted. And so I think you just have to be that strict with yourself, but don't jump the phase of that this really sucks. Exactly. I was watching this documentary on Netflix. I actually just forgot the name, but basically they were interviewing different coaches. And one of, the co- one of these coaches who was... Um, the coach of a female basketball team said she has a rule on her team. Um, it's a 24 hour rule that says when we get a loss, you have 24 hours to be sad about like, be sad, like be sad, be sad, do whatever you need to do. Be sad. After 24 hours, we're moving on. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah. When, like, celebrate, celebrate, but don't let it get to your head. After 24 hours, we're moving on next. What's next type of you thing. have to. Yes. I actually you have really to. It's, it's a mindset thing. It's a, it's a mindset Mm. achievement thing it's mm. not that people are emotionally stronger no you're not any stronger it, it hits you just as hard it's just that mm. you you know how to overcome it better you know and and that's and that's what is important is is you can't sit in your in your loss yes it does nothing for you Feel it, but don't sit in it. Like don't just yes, feel it, but don't sit in it. Like you know, I, you know, I was so sad last week. You know, and I went through something. Where I was just like, I actually just want some time off social media. I want to deal with this. Um, I want to deal with this. I want to deal mm-hmm. with it. And and it's been how long now? It's been four days, and I'm better now. You know, now I'm better. I, I think I posted. I focused on what is good, and I mm-hmm. said, Oh my goodness! By the way, I have a conference in. 
Czech Republic, let me let me focus on that. You know, um, yeah. it's not it's not all doom and gloom. And so I think the best thing for you to do is when you when it's time for you to tap out of that, focus on what is good. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be a conference. It can be your daughter. It can yeah. be your son. It can be your mother being healthy. Mm-hmm. It can be that you are healthy. You know, mm. and so it's all of these things that we need to say. But what is the good from that? And that's how you can like cut it, cut cut the the depressed you know uh, phase. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, mm. Uh, yeah, I love I love that. Okay, so mm. this is the time in the podcast where we ask my well, I ask my favorite question. And before I actually ask the question, just to give you an explanation of where it comes from. So there's a quote that I love and live by that says, be who you needed when you were younger. Mm. I absolutely love that quote um, because I believe that if there is a person or some words that you may have needed to hear or see or look up to, whatever it may be, when you were younger, there's a young person out there today that needs to hear it as well. Sure. So I want to ask you, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would you say to young Gandoni? Mm. Okay. Uh, I would say it's normal. You are normal. <laughs> <laughs> this, you are normal. You're a normal person. This is normal. Your, your character is normal. Your hair is normal. Your skin is normal. Your background is normal. There's nothing that is abnormal from you. Mm. And for me, I grew up, as I told you, um, in a school where I was the only black female, you know, and for for the time that I was at the school, I'm sure it's transformed now. And so things, simple things like our hair, you know, relaxa and all these things we were doing. Not that there's anything wrong with relaxing, but now when you look back in it, you kind of think, was it necessary at the time, you know, um, mm. for, for young girls to have to tie their hair in a pony like that, you know, um, mm. because their hair is not professional for school. So that's the only thing that annoyed me about the process. So I would say to, to a younger me is that I was, a, I was someone who was very private and someone who was very withheld. And that is... You know, when when a when a child is private or quiet, it, it kind of looks like you're hiding something when you're not. You're just quiet. And yeah. so I think um I would say to every young girl that your character and who you are, there's nothing wrong with it. And I wish I had someone say that, you know. Mm. You are just this person. If you are someone who's outspoken, there's nothing wrong with it. If you're mm. someone who 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 wants to, you know, um sit in their corner, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think black girls especially young black girls, they are not told enough that they are, that they are normal to the world. It's not, you're not abnormal. That's what mm. I mean. Obviously you're extraordinary, but mm. you mm. are not abnormal in, in who you are and who you are. And also another thing I would then advise my younger self who um, is a more career and goal advice, it would be, Focus on what you love and focus on what you are good at. The earlier you start with your skill, the better. So if I look at people that I grew up with, Umini, Nakulanai, Umini Lamini, Unandi, we all grew up in the same area, Durban North. And Umini was presenting, you know, like she was out there presenting at these little primary school 
conferences, Unandi was singing her album, you know, Now She'll Laugh. But she was singing um, in her album, her songs, and that's one advice I would say. I was public speaking in my little family events. I was being encouraged to be an MC for silly things like my mom's 50th, you know, my mom's 40th. And so I would say, focus more on what you're good at and, and and focus more on what you really enjoy doing and then understand what it means for you to get to that level. And the earlier you start, the better. Focus your 20s on, on understanding that and building that skill that you need. And, and then it will catch up. All that investment catches up to you when you are in your late twenties and in your thirties. And so that's what I would, I would encourage young girls, you know, a younger me, you know, Mm -hmm. to do. That's Mm -hmm. like, it feels like an affirmation for me because I feel like I've very, very recently learned that lesson to just, Mm -hmm. I've actually have known all along what the things that I like and the things that I enjoy. And now I'm spending Mm -hmm. more time doing those things and it's kind of all coming together. (laughs) And this is the thing that I just, just, just learned. So it's like an affirmation for you to, to hear you say that. Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I and not just uh, also in terms of you know, um, understand you know, they're not enough women in business, Bello. Uh, and I don't want to get to, I mean, as a kid, I want you to also enjoy yourself, but mm. understand the business sector from a young age. Mm. Understand well, if I could advise young women, I would say, understand money, understand money, understand. Mm how to make money, understand how to maintain money, how to get money, how to sell yourself. That's advice I think I wish I knew. Money as in sit down with your parents, sit down with your with your mentor and say, how, how does a pay slip look like? How do I negotiate my pay slip? How do I, how do I get into boards? What skills do I need to be in a boardroom? These are the things that we don't talk about as, as, as women. We, we really suck with money management. Mm. Um, or money understanding rather, not management, understanding it. And so I would say spend time in understanding money, the economics and the money of, of your country, and then understand how to place yourself in that conversation. Yeah, you're so right. Like it's And it's it's so inspiring to see like now, because the thing is money has always been like sort of like a tabooish um, subject. Mm. And it's nice mm. to see now we have women like Mapa Aloma, um, Nicolette, Mashida, who are like talking about money, like just being frank exactly. about money. And exactly. it's encouraging us to be like, okay, I can actually talk about money. It's not like a bad thing. It's not this thing that I should be avoiding. Um, you know, I should embrace mm. it and just learn it a bit more. You're absolutely right. Mm. Yeah. Ah, then this has been amazing. I have actually really, really enjoyed our conversation today. I am so happy that you came on. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you so much, Pedro. I really enjoyed this. And thank you for the work that you're doing. You are changing young girls' lives, not even young, even us, Jay, you know. Um, So thank you so much for for creating this network, especially during COVID. My gosh. You know, these kind of podcasts are what we live through to remind ourselves. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. That is like, that's, that's, that, that means a lot to me coming from you. So how can, how can our guests um, maybe keep in touch with you or just follow your work um, if they would, if they would like to? Sure. So on my, um, um, my Instagram, um, at Sundonim Konu. And my Facebook, Ndonim Kono, as well as my Twitter, at Ndonim Kono. 
So I usually post most of my personal work there. And then for the organization, you can go to Instagram and it's at BWIS underscore element. And on Facebook, it's Black Women in Science. And on Twitter, it's at BWIS underscore SA. Um, but you'll find all the links on my social media. Yeah. Ah, thank you. This has been amazing. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bello. Thank you so much for listening to She Brigade. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend you think will enjoy it too. You can also share it on your social media and tag us at She Brigade. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so feel free to email your questions or your suggestions to info at shebrigade.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at shebrigade. Until next time, bye.